What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Red Nation Hoops Podcast. My name is Saul Manali, at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. You're joined by Taylor Pate, at Taylor L. Pate on Twitter. How you doing, man? I am doing well. You know, I am coming fresh off my TMZ uh, masterpiece and um, feeling good. Superstar, <laughs> Taylor Pate. Super, I, I messed up on the intro. Yeah, you forgot to proceed, proceed my, my name with that. Yeah, that's my fault. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, We have a better feel on this series than two games ago. Uh, Four games in, the series is tied at 2-2. It's been a unique chess match of philosophy and, you know, just the way these two teams play. uh, You know, like, if you told me, like, a while back that the series is going to be 2-2, I wouldn't be surprised. But if you told me, like, all these games would have been blowouts, like, that's... It's just mind-boggling to me. I mean, like, we haven't had a close game yet, and I thought the series was going to be, like, the best series of playoffs. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because it's like the Rockets have a great game on the road and then a terrible game on the road. And then the Spurs have a great game on the road and then a terrible game on the road. And it's just one of those weird things where it's like, you know, if the Rockets are hitting shots, then they're, you know, in a very good position to win the game. And if if San Antonio is playing great defense, then they're in a very good position to win the game. And the Rockets are not, you know, uh, in those games that they can't shoot. They're not able to do what they did against OKC, um, you know, just because the the Spurs scheme is just so much better um, that they're not able to um, to get those those drives to the basket and all that kind of stuff and so it's it's been a big uh, adjustment and wake up call for the Rockets I think right so let's talk about what's worked for both these teams uh, game one the Rockets completely exploited that matchup um, with Pau Gasol and Marcus Aldridge they attacked it every single time in the pick and roll and David Lee. Um, and, you know, Pop pretty much couldn't play David Lee anymore after that point. Game two, the Rockets, I mean, the Spurs suddenly uh, put Kawhi on Harden, and that was huge. I mean, it slowed Harden down like crazy. Um, Kawhi did a fantastic job on Harden. Um, And then game three, the Spurs, um, this is the big adjustment for the Spurs. Instead of uh, defending the way they normally do, they... They dropped their bigs back, and they played. Uh, you know, they made sure they to protect the rim at all costs, and to make sure Pau Gasol isn't out there closing, closing out hard. Like they, they weren't switching. They were, um, they were attacking these closeouts pretty damn hard, and they made sure to you know cover the three point line and make Pau Gasol a really good rim protector, which he did a really good job at. And they forced a crap load of mid range jumpers um, and floaters, and the Rockets shot a poor percentage on them. Um, and they pretty much had their way, and that worked really well for them. Um, and then game four was 
I mean, like I, I thought the Rock, I thought Mike D'Antoni deserves a ton of credit for the adjustments they made. Uh, firstly, on Kawhi, they doubled a lot more on those uh, pick and rolls and just in, straight up in isolation plays. They they brought the help a lot a lot sooner than you would have thought, um, and they forced Kawhi to be a playmaker. And Kawhi just, I mean, you know, Kawhi is a really really good player. If I were to name one flaw in his game, it's the playmaking. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not a great passer. He's certainly improving, and I think he's like improving as these playoffs go on. He's getting better at it out of necessity. Right. Um, but it is definitely something that you can exploit. Um, he's he he's good with he's good at taking care of the ball, but he's not necessarily good at making that you know extra fancy play that that other guys like Harden and Chris Paul and all those guys make with their passes. Right, and uh, the, the, and then pretty much uh, the next big adjustment that the Rockets made was they played Ryan Anderson at center, and this is a lineup that uh, Rockets fans and you know outside observers have been clamoring for for a long time. We have we even see this look a lot in the regular season. Uh, Mike D'Antoni's kind of kept that uh, close to the vest, and he unleashed it in this game, um, and it was really effective against the Spurs. Um, I think Mike D'Antoni even had a quote. Uh, about what happened in the third quarter uh, and, and pretty much the Rockets were exchanging long twos for threes and then Mike D'Antoni was like I like that math problem right like uh, three pointers over long twos any day of the week and it worked a lot um, and it forced the Spurs to play really small uh, the, the Spurs to their credit played really well in that with that small lineup but Greg Popovich is still pretty hesitant to play with the small lineups and I think it could end up costing him yeah uh, it's that lineup, in order for it to work, Ryan Anderson has to hit shots, and you know the the other guys obviously have to hit shots, but particularly Ryan Anderson um, because he's stretching the floor in that in that you know uh, lineup. And I think the problem with that is that you're depending so much on guys making those three point shots, and we've seen that that can be a problem for the Rockets now. Granted, that the defense um, against those lineups is not going to be nearly um, as tight as it was, you know, with Anderson at the four, um, because the game was just being played differently. Because it was there was a lot of pick and roll action, and guys were staying home on their guys, and you won't be able to do that with Anderson at the five because he's going to be popping instead of uh, instead of rolling. So there's going to be a lot of space open. But the biggest thing I think that the Rockets did in that in that um, game four was getting out in transition and the Rockets actually were pretty average in pace this year. Um, but they, they were just relentlessly pushing the ball, um, in game four because basically David Lee, Marcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol cannot, I mean, they just can't get back on defense that fast. Right. And you you kind of forget how good James Harden can be when he's in transition. Like he's just awesome when he has an open floor to himself and, um, the shooters are running back, and like everybody's kind of, he has the defense kind of backpedaling and spreading. Pau Gasol and Lamarcus all just can't keep up with with the transition at all. Like they, they just can't. Like we've seen it over and over again. Uh, they, they just can't get back in time. It's just it's just a pro- it's just a problem, right? And uh, and you know J- James Harden did a really good job at exploiting it, and uh, he's. He's done really well when he when he when the Rockets are in transition uh, and James Harden's looking for shooters and uh, and he's you know and the the Spurs did a good job in Game Three of making James Harden a scorer as opposed to a passer and in, in Game Four he kind of got back to what what made him so good this season um, you know finding the shooters uh, out of pick and roll uh, the Rockets did a lot of three. Uh, 
three one pick and rolls with James Harden and Trevor Ariza, which was really interesting, and it worked um, as Trevor Ariza as a slasher. Um, and yeah, get this, get this number. Trevor Ariza was five of six from two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, Trevor, that's a big deal. Trevor Ariza was looked really athletic, and I mean, he's looked really athletic these past couple of games now. Um, and uh, it's it's really benefited the Rockets. He had that awesome dunking transition where, uh, you know, I think it was Patty Mills or somebody was coming onto his right side, so he went for the reverse jam. Uh, right. And, like, he's just looked really, really good. He looks really spry. He's making his three-pointers, and um, he's done a decent job on Kawhi. You can't really ask for more uh, that, he, you know, he can do. He's just the Rockets just don't have that many bodies to throw at Kawhi. They, they tried Eric Gordon, um, and it's, it's worked to a, a reasonable amount. But, I mean, really the only option the Rockets have to guard Kawhi is uh, Trevor Ariza. And he's asked to do a lot. So credit to him. He's done a good job in this series. And part of, uh, part of what makes that small lineup with Anderson at the five so successful is that usually Ariza's at the four. And those right. rim runs from Ariza are getting him transition buckets because, you know, he's being guarded by either um, Pau Gasol or, or um, Aldridge or somebody like that or David Lee. Um, and they, they just, Trevor Ariza's just too fast for them. Right. And Trevor Ariza talked about this early on, uh, late in the season, actually, uh, when the Rockets are struggling with injury problems. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Anderson went down for that stretch and they played Trevor Ariza at the four a lot. Um, and Trevor Ariza had, had a really nice stretch. Those were some of his best games of the season. And he, uh, when when he was asked about it, he pretty much said, like, you know, these guys can't can't you know keep up with me. Like they come out for a closeout, and I'm already past them, right? Like he's just that. It's just a really effective way to use Trevor Ariza. Like when he's just better at attacking closeouts when those closeouts are coming from bigs. And I mean. Clint Capella. I mean, I, I'm. I feel like we're watching him learn the fundamentals of defense on the on the on the fly, and he's like, he's become a really good rim protector in this series. Uh, he's uh, he's being asked to do a lot, um, uh, just boxing out in general against Lamarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol. But he's done a really good job at converting over on, and you know helping on these pick and rolls, um, and especially in the rim protection. Like he's some of the best rim protection I've seen from Clint Capella uh, of his career, to be honest, and. He's done a really good job at taking advantage of of you know the lack of athleticism the Spurs have. You know this this is something we talked about the, before the series, right? Like we knew Clint Capella was going to be really key in the series because the Spurs have traditionally struggled with these athletic bigs, and <clears throat> Clint Capella just continues to feast on these on these really you know slow defenders that just can't keep up with them. I mean, he had a big game um, in game game two in game one when the Rockets won. He had a game. He had a big game last night. Uh, let me look up his stats real quick. Clint Capella. Oh no, he only had eight points and nine rebounds. But it it, it looked like he was a lot more effective than he was uh, on the stats. Yeah, I mean he was he was all over the place, especially defensively. I mean if he wasn't blocking shots, he was altering shots. And I mean he's the guy has been just outstanding, particularly um, off of help defense and and uh, even ISO defense. He's been just great. Right, um, and um, I guess that brings us, I guess it's a natural transition to the elephant in the room. Uh, Nene in that third quarter, uh, I can't remember the play, but he, I, I think he pulled his groin and uh, he, he came back out. Uh, it, it looked like um, that was going to be a, a two or three game injury as it, was, as it stood, but you know, later on in the game, I think it was entering the fourth quarter, uh, there was a report that he went to the hospital because of that groin injury. Um, and, uh, do you, do you remember the exact injury it was? 
Yeah, it's a left adductor strain, left or right adductor strain. Basically, something in his groin. I think. Yeah, that sounds really uncomfortable. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, he went out and looks like he's gonna he's done for the postseason. Uh, and the Rockets are gonna have to find guys to make up for those minutes. You know, Nene's done a really good job in the postseason. Uh, these days off have have made him look really really spry. Uh, he's played some of his best basketball in the postseason, uh, especially defensively, um, and uh, from the high post. He's just, he's just done a really good job. Um, and the Rockets really needed him in this series against the bodies of Lamarcus Aldridge and Pakistan. You know, the Rockets just don't have that many bodies um, to, to handle these bigs. And Nene was a key factor in all this. And he, you know, he was also benefiting from the lack of athleticism of the, the Spurs front line. And uh, you know, he was playing 18 minutes per game in the postseason. So the Rockets are going to have to make up those minutes somewhere. Looks like they're going to be playing Ryan Anderson at center a lot more, um, which is good, which, um, you know, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, it, the Spurs really struggle to keep up with that lineup. As we mentioned before, you know, it's just um, when you're forcing Palgas to close out on you and um, the rim, the rim is just wide open. I mean, it's just a really good favorable matchup for the Rockets. Um because Palgasaw just can't help and recover in time. Uh, and so th- it looks like they're going to be able to do that. So, I mean, that's probably going to make up like five extra minutes for Ryan Anderson. But, I mean, there's still going to be like 10 to 12 minutes there of, uh, you know, playing time that they're going to have to make up. I think they're going to have to go to Harrell. Like they, and Mike D'Antoni has been reluctant to play Harrell throughout this series. But, I mean, I just think... I just think the Rockets need some vertical spacing, especially if they manage to get past the Spurs and go into the second round. Like they need somebody uh, to be a consistent lob threat on the floor at all times. And I, I think you know it, it just helps James Harden find that guy for easy lob threats. And uh, you know the Spurs have done a good job of taking away the lob in this series, but I mean eventually the, you'd think the Rockets would want to go back to that. And if they do, I mean they just they have to get the, that vertical spacing for somebody. I, I think they got to play Harrell. Um, and yeah, oh, go ahead. Uh, and I think this problem is twofold because if you're playing Anderson at the five, that means that Ariza's playing more minutes at the four, which means that you're going to need someone to back up Ariza, which is going to be Decker. And then you're going to need, you know, someone to play the five and you can't like Anderson can't play all 36 minutes or 48 minutes at the five. Like he just can't do it. Um, he, you know, he's, he's going to be capped out. Um, and so you're going to have to have somebody to play center. And I I think D'Antoni may be hesitant even still to to put Harrell in, but I think that he, he will end up having to. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a necessity. Um, and it, I actually think that it could work out really well because, you know, Harrell is, um, is a big spark plug and he, you know, he, j- he just does things that none of the other guys currently can do. Right, and and this is kind of why you develop your your D league system, right? This this is why you do that because um you're gonna have to dig dig deep in the playoffs, like and when these when guys get hurt, you have somebody there to um you know replace and fill in those step in and fill those minutes, and I I just kind of think that's a credit to Daryl Moore. He's he's always been able to find these guys late in the draft. Uh, to be able, be able to play consistent minutes in the playoffs. I mean, you remember Clint Capella two years ago um, played big minutes in the in the conference finals, and this is kind of a similar situation with Montrezl Harrell, uh, where he's he's going to have to play pretty big minutes. I mean, I'm he's you think you think the Rockets would at least play him like ten minutes per game, right? And in the playoffs, that's pretty significant time, uh, especially if you're trying to keep the lead going uh, when when James Harden goes to the bench. I I just think you're going to have to. 
you're just gonna have to play him. I even if he doesn't want to play him, I think I think his hands kind of kind of be forced to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna come down to um, when the Spurs do decide to go big, and they will because you know they're gonna be able to now. The Rockets are gonna have to have something to match up with that, and I don't consistently see um, Ariza or Decker at the four working for them. Right. At, at least, at least, like, at least not for an not for those extended amount of minutes. Yeah, and I, I just can't see Decker playing uh, big minutes at the five. Like, it's just it's just hard yeah, for no. me to it's just hard for me to imagine. Um, although you know, Sam Decker's came up uh, in bigger situations before. Um, I I just think that's just too small a unit, and I think you know uh, Ryan Anderson to his credit's played really well at the five. But I mean, that's if you're you're asking a lot. Uh, to have him play that many minutes at the center position. It looks like the Rockets are going to start game five with Eric Gordon and, you know, play a three-guard unit, play James Harden, Patrick Beverly, Eric Gordon, uh, Trevor Ariza at the four, and um, Clint Capella at the five. I, I think they're going to have James Harden guard Pal Gasol a lot more. Uh, you kind of think that's kind of got to be the adjustment. Or LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, he's done a good job at defending these bigger guys in the post. And we've always, this is something we've always talked about uh, on this podcast. Like he, James Harden is just really good at guarding. Like you know, he, he, we're not saying he's Kawhi Leonard by any means, but like the best situations defensively for him are when he's guarding these big fours um, that like to post up because you know these guys think they have a matchup advantage there. And you know, James Harden is just really strong, and he's a really bulky guy that can guard. You know, that can consistently guard these guys. Um, I mean, he did a really good job on uh, Pau Gasol, in my opinion, and and. And uh, the minute he's been asked to guard Lamarcus Aldridge, I think I thought he's done a good job. Uh, so yeah, the Rock they're gonna they're gonna have to ask a lot of James Harden defensively, uh, and you know Trevor Ariza. I mean, I, I just think he's he's gonna have to guard. He's probably gonna be the primary guy in Kawhi pretty much the entire series. Yeah, and it, typically it works out to be a a good thing when Harden is guarding somebody in the post because it keeps him engaged, um, especially right. if they're posting him up. Um, you know, he's not having to navigate back screens and, and, you know, watch the paint and, and just a bunch of stuff that, you know, keeps his mind off of the other, right. um, parts like, of the game. I like to say James Harden kind of has like ADHD on the defensive end. Like, it's not like he's bad. Like, it's not like, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody knows that he can defend. Like yeah. he, when he, when he actually tries, he can defend. He but, just loses focus. Cause I mean, yeah. it's asking a lot for him on uh, uh, having to do so much on offense. Um, yeah. To also do that on defense, I mean that's if he if he could, I mean he'd be Kawhi Leonard, right? Right, and and I also think that him guarding a post player, there's always that that slight hesitation when there's cross matchups, and if if Harden can manage to you know get one of those rebounds and then push it immediately in transition when the guy that's supposed to be guarding him is across the floor guarding someone else, then that you know that can turn into advantageous situations for the Rockets. So uh, going forward, like, do you think this injury is going to have a big impact on this series? I don't know if it'll have a big impact on this series. Uh, I mean, yeah, it will, but but I think that it would have more of an impact on the next series if the Rockets were to advance, um, because you know, Nene has struggled, um, you know, mightily at times in this series, um, and I think that you can get by just due to the nature of, of the Spurs bigs, I think that you can get by with, with having Anderson stretch the floor and stuff like that. Um, 
but I think that they, the way that the Rockets shoot can can counteract uh, the Spurs enough for them to win the series. Right, and like, and we talked about this before we were recording. Like, the Rockets don't have a good shot, good shot at the Warriors as it is. Um, they have a small snowball's chance in hell at even uh, winning two games. So I mean, like. You got to think this 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 just doesn't help him. Although I I do like the image of Montrez Harrell guarding Draymond Green and them just kind of going at it for uh, ten minutes per game. I I really like that. Like from a basketball entertainment standpoint, that's how the that's how the apocalypse starts. Yeah, <laughs> I I really want to see it. I want to I want to see these guys go to blows. Uh, and and hey, let's make it happen. I mean, I, you you have nothing to lose at this point. You're gonna have to play Montrez Harrell in that series, anyways. Um. But yeah, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Um, so uh, I can't remember who you picked, but I, I picked the Spurs in seven. Are you feeling confident about your pick? Because as of right now, I do think it's kind of leaning that way because the Spurs have home court advantage. Best two out of three. I, I do kind of think the Spurs have the have the up, upper hand at this point. I picked Rockets in six. Um, I'm not feeling great about it. I mean, it could happen. Like They could go back to, to San Antonio and do what they did in game one. Um Especially with the the changes that are happening now, you know, there's going to be um, there's going to be wrinkles that D'Antoni throws out there that he didn't throw out there in Game Four. Um, I, I don't feel great about it, but it could happen. I mean, it, it, I could see it happening. Right. Um, the, the, this knee injury is kind of like to me. It's, it's kind of very similar to the Tony Parker injury, and like um, it forces uh, you know Mike D'Antoni to play players that are better suited for this series uh, than, uh, you know, prior. Like, uh, he's going to have to play Ryan Anderson at center, and I, and I think that's a really good look for the Rockets. Um, and the same thing for, you know, uh, Pop and Tony Parker. Like, it forces them to play Patty Mills and DeJounte Murray, and they've done a really good job in this series, and I think that's a good thing. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I don't think that an A injury is really what I'm leaning at. It's just the fact that they have home court advantage. That's what's really making me uh, lean Spurs these last two games. Um, it could totally happen. You know, um, Game 5 is going to be really, really key. Uh, I think ESPN uh, Stats and Info tweeted something last night about how uh, when the series is tied 2-2 like this, the team that has home court advantage wins like a great a great percentage of the time. And game five, whoever wins Game 5 wins like an also high percentage of the time. Uh, so, I mean, like, Game 5 is going to be the end-all, be-all, in my opinion. I, I think whoever wins Game 5 probably ends up winning the series. Yeah, um, I think BPI gives the Spurs, like, a 65% chance um, of winning. And that's, I mean, that's probably about right. Um, you know, somewhere around 65-35 or 60-40 or something like that seems about right. Right. And, um there's not really much you can ask for the Rockets at this point. I mean, they, they, they've they done what they wanted to do. I mean, they, I guess you could blame them for kind of losing Game 3 at home. That was a big loss for them that kind of swung the series a great bit because, you know, at that point, the the, the Spurs went up 2-1. Two, 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 uh, and, you know, I mean, they sold their game on the road. Now they got to steal another one. That's that's really what's what makes it difficult for me to bet against the Spurs is the fact that they've already stole a game at home, and now they're going to have to go and do another one to go ahead and win this series, whether it be Game 5 or Game 7 in San Antonio. And I, I, I see, just, that's, I just, that's one of the things. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, I just can't see them winning a Game 7 in San Antonio. See, that's the thing, like, the I I want to agree, but that that's the stupid thing about the Rockets is that they won in Oracle and they won uh, their first game in San Antonio, uh, and then they won the first game in the playoffs in San Antonio. I mean, they 
seem to be fairly um, fairly agnostic when it comes to when it comes to um, home and and away games. Yeah, and their home crowd isn't that great. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, God. Yeah, and we've talked we've talked about it in this podcast many times. I and mean, when when you have to give out dollar hot dogs, when you have to have uh, Travis Scott come out and perform a concert before games. Um, well, when your tickets are twice as much as they are at the Spurs, uh, you know, in San Antonio. Yeah, and yeah. that and that doesn't help things either, right? That you have this outpouring of Spurs fans that come to the game because it's not really that far. Um, yeah. I, and and you know to some extent the Rockets do get some of that on the road against San Antonio. It's just not that not as much. I mean the Rockets have always had a middling crowd. It, it even it's even worse this year. I think they're twenty second in attendance this year, which is horrible. I mean for for how good they've been this season, I just think that's embarrassing. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, so yeah, I, I mean they're they're they've played in they've won random random games before so i mean i can't necessarily say i I disagree with you there right like there isn't there is a bit there is a bit of unpredictability there yeah i mean you can never count the rockets out just because of their shooting like they have like six guys that can just light it up from three so i mean it's it's never impossible yeah and and uh we we kind of talked about that in this year uh before we started recording um we're kind of waiting for the Rockets to have a, a normal shooting game, <laughs> like where they're shooting like thirty six percent instead of like forty five or twenty two, like you know, like mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle. Uh, and that hasn't happened yet. I mean, ideally, you'd like to have two of those games going forward. Uh, but I mean, even if they go, I mean, like they've proven they can win games in the playoffs without the hot shooting, and I think that's been kind of a deceiving thing for the Rockets. Like they've won a lot of their games based off of defense, like. They're, they have the third best defense in the in the NBA playoffs right now, and I don't think anybody's paying attention to it. I I think uh, Chuck on the broadcast said that you know this is a one trick pony team, and that really pissed me off because they've they've done so well in the playoffs. They've, they're actually point five points per possession per one hundred possessions better on defense in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. And you know they won a series shooting twenty eight percent from three. So I do think they can win games, but against the Spurs, like I just think you you need you prefer to have that with you. Yeah, I mean, you're not gonna get, um, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna change people's, you know, narratives of a team, uh, especially like a team that has James Harden and and Mike D'Antoni. Um, you know, people already already over um, over exaggerate when it comes to to their defense and and lack thereof or whatever you want to call it. Um, the Rockets' defense has has actually been, you know pretty damn good yeah third, um, third best in the playoffs like that's yeah. really really good and and even even beyond that they they passed the eye test for the most part um now obviously in that lineup with anderson at the five they're kind of conceding baskets almost like they're they're like okay that's fine but we're going to get back down and score on you you know with a three instead of a two and you know so that that skewed it even a little bit more but um you know the the rockets defense especially their situational defense, like when they really need to stop, they've been able to get it. Um, like when, when San Antonio was, was making their, you know, mini comeback or whatever, um, like right in the third quarter before it really blew open. Um, like they were getting the key stops that they needed to when they needed to. Um, I think part of that has been Capella's growth. Like that's a, that's a big part of why their defense has been so good. Right. And credit to Jeff Jeff Bizdelic. He uh, he hasn't gotten uh, a lot of national love, uh, but I mean he's we know that he's kind of the mastermind behind this defense. He's made some great adjustments in this series. You know the idea to double Kawhi a lot more and force him to play make. I thought that was brilliant. 
Um, and you know, just just subtle adjustments that he's made throughout the series. Ryan Anderson's done a good job on uh, on Lamarcus Aldridge throughout the series. Like you know, he Lamarcus really hasn't been able to take advantage of that mismatch, um, and that's a credit to Ryan Anderson. I think um, you know he's he's done a pretty decent job on him for a guy that doesn't get that much credit for what he does on a defensive end. Uh, I mean, he, I mean, what, what can you credit? I mean, Ryan Anderson has never been a good defender, but I mm-hmm. mean. Uh, and also credit to Patrick Beverly. Uh, we'd be remiss to not to not send our condolences to him and his family uh, for the loss of his grandfather. I'm just impressed that you know guys like Isaiah Thomas and Patrick Beverly, how they're able to play through debts in the family. Like, I, in my opinion, when, when something like that happens, you don't even have to play. Like, you you have a free pass to kind of miss two or three games in the playoffs. Like, I, if mm-hmm. like you don't you have no obligation to the team to play like and you know i just think it's a credit to patrick beverly like he managed to play and play a really good game he was really he was solid on both ends of the floor shot the ball well defended well same usual energy had his had an awesome offensive rebound um that led to a ryan anderson three in this game um like and he's just been really solid throughout the throughout the playoffs and like yeah, I, I uh, shout out to Patrick Beverly. Uh, I, I hope I hope uh, he and his family uh, cope with this loss. Was it's, it's just unfortunate situation. Yeah, I give all my thoughts out to to Bev, um, and also I'd like to say that uh, he has made Dejounte Murray look a little bit um, <laughs> squeamish out there quite a few times. Like I think he ripped him like like two or three straight times to open up that first game that that Murray started. It's bullying. Um, it's bullying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he is very feisty and he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, fresh meat in the water. Um, so, you know, credit to, to Bev for that. And yeah, he's just been really, uh, consistent and, you know, I hope that he is able to, uh, to, to find some, some solace in, uh, his bad situation. Um, you know, with winning games and and being that guy that we all know and love. Yeah, it, it's rough. And on that note, um, that's it for the Reddington News podcast. Game seven is going to be not game for game seven. Game five is going to be in San Antonio AT and T Center, seven p.m. on TNT. Uh, hopefully, we see a lot of Rockets fans there, um, and hopefully, the Rockets manage to get this win. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops and at Taylor L. Pate. You give our podcast a good review. Even if you didn't enjoy the podcast, just go on there and just lie. Just just do us a favor. Just lie real quick. And yeah, uh, good night, guys.